Hey, folks, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That's right. That's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. That's Double J, Jeff Jarrett, the world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, and now the world's greatest podcaster. Ha <laughs> ha. Just kidding. Hey, tune in, or you're listening to, or if you haven't subscribed, go right now and subscribe. SLTD Roundtable, the podcast. You got to tune in. These guys are great. They're greater than great, but they ain't as great as Double J. Ain't we great? Hello there. This is another uh, episode of uh, the SLTD Roundtable. I am uh, Alan the Fantastic, along with my co-host uh, Mike Charlotte. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Not bad. As uh, so, we are recording just uh, on the heels of the conclusion of uh, Death Before Dishonor uh, from Ring of Honor, uh, which took place uh, this past Saturday in uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, it was the first uh, Ring of Honor uh, production under the ownership of Tony Khan. Um, there were, uh, you know, I think, second. I believe, second? Second. It? Okay, well, yeah. Sup- well, I believe Super Carter with Honor was already scheduled prior to Tony taking ownership. So. Yeah, it was scheduled, but he still ran it. He still, I mean, he I still felt when it. I Okay, so I felt when I watched Super Carter of Honor, there was like, it was sort of half and half, like, you know, when they put in Minoru Suzuki, for example, facing Red Titus for the TV title, I've, I, mm-hmm. well, I was a little, I wasn't, I guess I was not that surprised when Minoru Suzuki won that title. And then, cause it was just almost a transition period because they were doing some title changes. Like Wheeler Yuta winning the pure title. That was, I guess that was expected for, now that I think about it, but yeah. Okay. So this would, I would say super, uh, Death Before Dishonor would be the first, Ring of Honor show fully under Tony's ownership, uh, um, production, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think before we start, uh, Mike, this is the first time I've had the chance to talk with you um, since the announcement, I guess, the probably most, the most shocking thing in our lifetimes as wrestling fans of the retirement announcement from Vince McMahon. Um, so last week, uh, around Friday, uh, July 22nd, Vince McMahon sends out a tweet saying, at 77, time for me to retire. Thank you, WWE Universe, the whole tagline and all that. And um, yeah, and then everybody was just kind of losing their minds. Uh, and we were just wondering, okay, wait, is, he, is this like a storyline? I think people were some, some of them were wondering. And then like all the credible outlets reported, no, this is for real. This is a full retirement. He's leaving everything except keeping his, uh, I guess, shares in the company. But other than that, he's retired from creative. He's retired from running the business completely. And WWE later sends out a statement saying, um, Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan will become the co-CEOs going forward. Earlier, before the retirement announcement, they announced that Paul Levesque Triple H had already resumed his role as uh, executive vice president of talent relations. Um, so we could do a whole other pod episode on this justice topic, but mm-hmm. let me just boil it down to two questions, which I think we can focus on. What do you think are the short-term changes that will take place on the heels of this announcement? And what do you think are the long-term implications going forward? 
like for say six months to a year from now? Uh, well, the one thing I expect that we will definitely not see as much anymore is the constant rematches. Um, I have a feeling that, I mean, even if, and, you know, like reports have been out that um, Bruce Pritchard is going to take over of uh, the lead uh, of creative, but um, I feel like I mean, I've listened to enough of his podcasts to know that he's had ideas that Vince McMahon was not like fully on board with that probably would have been better in the past. So I I, I, I want to believe that he would still do something on a, you know, on a level that would be an improvement to telling stories. Um, it, so the constant rematches, I think we're going to see a lot less of that. Um, I think maybe the, uh, in the long term we might see the, uh, less of the, uh, short matches on television. Um, like this past week's SmackDown time of recording where the first hour we only had eight minutes of wrestling, for example. Um, so I, I, I think that maybe we'll see that change over time. Um, I think people, I mean, cause I saw a lot of people on social media that said they were going to watch SmackDown solely because of this announcement and it ended up being the exactly the same show you would have expected if Vince was still in charge. So I think that we're not really going to see any real changes until after SummerSlam, but, um, I think that uh, obviously it's going to play a big impact on everything going forward. Um, I don't think we're going to see as many people's names being shortened. I don't think we're going to see as many people that we don't want to see on television on television as much um, because that's been a very big thing for a very long time with Vince McMahon running the show is that he has the people that he wants on TV and not doesn't really care about the people that we want on TV. And usually he only gives us the people that we want when he's tired of hearing us complain about it. And then he ruins their title reigns. So. Yeah. It's inconsistent. Like the booking, it's like, it's kind of all over the place. I think sometimes yeah. it would have been better if, Maybe Finn's didn't have as many writers. Maybe if it was back in like the old days in the early, in the late 90s when it was just him, maybe Jim Cornette and Jim Ross just sitting around a table having drinks and like thinking, what should we do? It just If it was just those three, but now it's like all these writers and then it all gets funneled to Finn's and a lot of writers probably aren't wrestling fans or don't know the product as well. So they're like just trying to write for television, right? I guess I'll answer my own question. I think short-term, a theory, uh, he's going to be, unfortunately for me, um, probably going to be one of the few uh, unlucky people that is not going to have a successful cash-in. Either he's going to try to cash-in and lose like the way Baron Corbin did, or... Uh, Austin Theory. Did I say Theory? You, you didn't yeah, say uh, his name. You oh, didn't say his okay. name. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I think uh, I was I broke one of our own rules where we should try to stick with the names. Yeah, Austin Theory is probably gonna not successfully cash in his money in the bank briefcase. Uh, he's either gonna lose like Baron Corman did, or he's just gonna outright lose the briefcase to like 
I don't know, like the way Otis lost the briefcase or he may just lose it in the river or something like that. Because they uh, want, I think they want to quickly just like put the kibosh on just to push for that guy. Well, because that was that was one hundred percent Vince it, McMahon. Yeah, call. yeah, it wasn't even he that, wasn't yeah. he wasn't even in the match. He didn't have a qualifying match yeah. that he even lost. He was in the middle of a U.S. Yeah. title I, match. At first, I thought like feud. it was just storyline where like he's appearing with Vince. I was like, okay, he's well. This would be a boost to his own career appearing on screen with Vince. But then when he's like appearing on the money in the bank match that was like okay yeah that's totally yeah uh actual so movie. just just to add and not to stay obviously not to stay on this too long because yeah. this isn't like our main topic but um that's another thing that i think we're gonna see a change of like i mean maybe more things like possibly making a little bit more sense to a point where it's like okay like we had all these qualifying matches for people to be in the money in the bank match and you even had a, a last chance match or whatever. And Austin Theory wasn't in any of them. Right. And right. then you just put him in the money in the bank match because he's a Vince McMahon guy. And then he wins, making all of those matches pointless and making all of the build to this match pointless because you just put the briefcase on somebody who didn't earn it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're going to see, hopefully, um, think stories that make more sense as to, like, um, why is so-and-so getting a title match? Or, like, does this win actually matters? Like, when they say wins don't matter, I think wins will start to matter in the long run. And then yeah. I'll just end off with this. I guess the long run with Triple H in talent relations now, he's probably making a lot of calls to people like Johnny Gargano, uh, Cross, uh, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, because they're all... Yeah folders they're not signed to any company right now so that would probably take a couple of months to a year to happen but i would think it might happen sooner than we think so i mean i think it's very possible that we will see a lot of people that have been let go recently that don't have a uh steady uh job at the moment like i don't think we're going to see every single one of them come back but we will certainly see some of them that like triple h was very high on mm-hmm yeah. And Gargano is definitely one of those. Um, I I could totally see um, Bray Wyatt coming back. And I mean, like, there's been reports out there, like, even before Vince McMahon stepped down of, like, people. I mean, specifically, the one that I keep going back to, it's and it's not really that big of a deal, but, like, Maria Kanellis was asked in an interview, or not even in an interview, somebody tweeted her. She was, it was like, uh, what would it take for you to come back to WWE? She said, new ownership. Mm. So I think that that's probably something that a lot of people have the same feeling. Uh, because a lot of those people that you named, Carrying Cross, uh, Johnny Gargano didn't really get his shot on the main roster, but. A lot, it was very concerning at a point because we all know how Vince McMahon books his show. You, you got guys like Shanky being the center of things on SmackDown and and um, Omos, who nobody who nobody likes. I have not I've not seen a single person that likes Omos on social media. Not a single person. Nobody wants him around because he's not good at wrestling. <laughs> well, they probably and, say the same thing about Satnam Singh over on uh, AEW, but uh, we haven't really seen Yeah, it, but, but yeah. so 
so people were very concerned about like if Johnny Gargano did stay around yeah. and was like, I've done everything in NXT like Tommaso Ciampa has, would he end up doing what Tommaso Ciampa is currently doing right now, which is nothing. Mm. He's following the Miz around. And his, and his reasoning was why not follow around the guy who's always is a center of attention. Tommaso Ciampa would never actually say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we'll leave this topic for now because we can definitely yeah. save all this uh, content for probably another uh, discussion. So yeah. we're gonna move right into um, the uh, Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor review. Uh, so we'll start with the pre-show uh, called Zero Hour, I believe. There mm-hmm. actually was a number of wrestling matches here. So we had Colt Cabana defeating Anthony Henry with uh, who was accompanied by JD Drake. Uh, you know, pretty solid match. Cole Cabana is a very uh, long state, long-standing uh, ROH favorite, so no surprise there. Um, we had the Trustbusters consisting of Ari Davari and Slim J. They were defeated by the defeated actually, sorry, the Shinobi Shadow Squad consisting of Eli Isom and Cheeseburger. Uh, mm-hmm. I am not as familiar with these people, so um, I'll see what I think I did see them in Ring of Honor previously a bit. Uh, Arya Davari might be the, the most latest addition. So um, he uh, will see uh, where things go from for him. Uh, yep. We had Willow Nightingale defeating uh, Allison Kay. That's not a shocker. Willow Nightingale has been on AEW and Ring of Honor. So she's sticking around. I guess now we're going to move in the most surprising part of the, of the pre-show in that uh, we had a segment backstage where Prince Nana, who is a very long time, I guess, standing a manager from the Ring of Honor days, um, mm-hmm. authentic, actual African prince, if you can believe it. Yep. He says he has acquired, bought out Tully Blanchard Enterprises from, I guess, Tully Blanchard. And mm-hmm. he has now added them to his stable or rechristened the stable, the embassy. For longtime yes. ROH fans, you may be familiar with that uh, stable. So, th- so Nana will now be managing Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony, which will consist of uh, Khan and Toa Leona. And he mm-hmm. later said he will accompany Jonathan Gresham to the world title match. Um, so they defeated who I described uh, Team GCW, consisting of Alex <laughs> Zane, Blake Christian, and Tony Deppin. Uh, pretty solid match, but come on, like three giant badass monsters yeah. versus like three guys from like the old 205 live days i mean there's no surprise yeah here. i mean there was no question who was really i mean pretty much all of these matches there was really no question of the the result i think the only yeah. one that you could probably see uh going either way was the uh the tag match but uh yeah so brian cage khan and toa leona are are all signed to roh and are Basically, they're going to be the the I think the the faces of the six man uh, division yes. for a while, coming yes. going we'll, forward. We'll get the six man um, titles. Yes, but yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, Alex Zane, he's been here for Alex Zane has been here for he's been on past ROH shows and he's been great in New Japan. New Japan strong. Uh, Blake Christian has been killing it on the indies. He's got a match coming up uh actually next week with uh john moxley and gcw for the gcw mm. title um and that match was announced at the uh gcw show that i most recently went to um where blake christian got a win and as did john moxley 
John, Tony Deppen, he's actually been in ROH for a very long time. He's a former ROH TV champion. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he is one of the best technical wrestlers on the indies that you, you could he, he's very, very good. And I, I would be surprised if uh, they didn't try to sign any of these guys to an ROH deal. Um, but unless they're very happy doing what they're doing, um, yeah, it, there was no surprise that the embassy got the win here. Um, right. I mean, Brian, Brian Cage is one of the best athletic big men that I've ever seen. Um and it's been a crime that he hasn't really done anything as far as a match in like nine months. Um, and yeah, the gates of agony are both very good. And uh, like I said, if they, it's very possible we're going to see the embassy, these three men uh, killing it in the six man tag title division going yeah. in, in in the future yeah so yes no surprise of uh their win in this six-man match but i guess like everybody was wondering when they heard this news like what happened to tully blanchard because it's like one of those yeah. situations where he was on tv one minute and then suddenly he's gone it's like nobody's complaining about prince nana or anything like that it's just like what happened to yeah. tully because we're concerned because he is a 67 year old man so i mean so apparently uh, some outlets are outlets that we are looking at fight bowl for example they were saying that uh tully just kind of missed his flight or he simply no shoulder event or there was some confusion surrounding because uh, tully blanchard does uh, work with the prison ministry group i guess uh, he met he met uh, ministers who like uh, uh people who are in prison mm-hmm. trying to turn mm-hmm. their lives around so if he missed out the show because of some obligation with his nonprofit work then there's i'm not complaining about that but they're saying that going forward he is no he has they're not factoring him in this at all and like he's he's literally hadn't have they, they don't have any plans for him going forward so yeah. i don't know this is sound is this sounding kind of weird to me because one minute he's on tv this is a long-standing veteran of this industry that has like ample decades of experience that like he could impart on any young talent and then suddenly he's just kind of poof and yeah. it just makes me wonder yeah. sometimes like how do these decisions get made i don't know it's just really well odd. i i i was wondering the same thing and it's it's just kind of odd that they like just added jonathan gresham to this group like two weeks ago yeah and then i mean obviously we're gonna get into that when we get yeah. to the main show but um yeah, it, it's just, uh, it is kind of odd that this would happen on this night and this, uh, just these circumstances. And I, I guess I we aren't going to be seeing much of Tully Blanchard anymore in AEW or ROH. So uh, yeah. going forward, it's the embassy and Prince Nana is back, I guess, full time for whatever the future holds for ROH. Um, he's a long standing. ROH name uh, since the early days. The embassy has been around for a very long time. I mean, I remember the embassy being around when I went to ROH shows in 2005. Oh. So um, when ROH used to do small venues inside of uh, like uh, 
when ROH first began doing shows, like the first couple of years, they used to just do small shows that only had like seating for like 200 people inside of like arcade, uh, like the rooms that they have upstairs in arcades that you use for parties. That sounds like the indie show I would hear about back up here in Toronto every other week. <laughs> so, so there was an arcade out here in America. I don't know if they had it in Canada, but it was called Sports Plus. And mm, okay. um, the first ROH show that I ever went to was in 2005, and it was upstairs in a, in a Sports Plus, and it, it had to have like not even 200 seats. And I, everybody that you could think of that's in wrestling now was there. Homicide, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Jay Lethal, CM Punk. This was actually, and I remember it very vividly because I, it, it was what really got me into indie wrestling. The very first ROH show that I ever went to was the one where CM Punk signed his WWE contract. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, it, so the embassy was even around back then. Uh, so this has been a long-standing group that's just been on and off in ROH for a very long time. For yeah. the, the 20 years that the brand has been around. Yeah, I'm just checking the their former members and it is really like a who's who of like some of the top names in the business today. I was jokingly, I tweeted out, um, oh, hey, now that the embassy is back, maybe uh, Jay Chung could uh, have one more run. Uh, Jay Chung being, of course, the uh, wife of Josh Alexander from uh, the Impact World Champion. But she, in her early days, was sort of like the valet uh, mm -hmm. who accompanied the embassy. So I just mm -hmm. thought that was funny. Um, okay, but this whole Tully Blanchard thing is really ties into the opening match of the show, which was Claudio Castanoli of uh, the former Cesaro mm -hmm. from the Blackpool Combat Club taking on the Ring of Honor world champion, Jonathan Gresham. So here's, here, let me just break it down the opening, like how this, how the match started. It was just really weird to me because I just rewatched it and it was like, this is really indicative of the stuff you sent to me later about the status of Jonathan Gresham at this moment. moment. Mm -hmm. So they, they said, they, they made the announcement, the match was starting, and then I hear Rick Abani and Caprice Coleman, the, the uh, ringside commentators, going crazy. They're like, oh my God, we're starting with this now? And then they started explaining, oh yeah, there was a coin toss, and it was between the uh, FTR Briscoes and this match. So they're saying, oh yeah, this, okay, the coin toss was made the decision. We're going to have the world title match first. Now, I didn't think they were going to have I mean, I, I didn't think they were going to slot in FTR and the Briscoes first, because like that's a long match. I would have taken the rest mm -hmm. of like, a lot of time with cards. So we'll save that for a minute. But I'll just, they'll say, oh, they're starting with the world title match first. And then I saw Claudio come out. He had the big entrance and they talked about how his new theme song, Uppercut Symphony, was on Spotify and all the streaming platforms. And then you get Jonathan Gresham coming out in just the foundation t-shirt without the robe and the flag. You know, he usually comes out with the kick-ass octopus mask. And I mm -hmm. was like, he looked like a guy who just came out of a really tough-looking meeting, and he's just trying to get this done as soon as possible. What was weird was that he came out by himself. And then yeah. later I see off-screen, Prince Nana starts walking down as though it's like, oh, yeah, oh, I forgot, yeah. like, Nana was just supposed to accompany him. And, of course, looking at the way this match, like, ended, or it lasted only about 12 minutes, um, you had Cesaro do the swing early on. He must have swung Gresham, like, 25 times or something. And of course, Cesaro here is the big guy compared to Gresham. 
Uh, the match yeah. basically the sequence that ends this match was that Cesaro just gives Jonathan all these hammer blows to the point where I just saw this large water spit come out of uh, Jonathan's mouth. It's like, oh, dude, he's knocked out. And then Cesaro just folds him up, power bombs him, and it was okay. That was it. Yeah, and so it ended much quicker than I thought it would. Actually, I mean, they did a lot of like technical stuff here and there, yeah. but I guess like with the backstory that uh, we can discuss now is that you know um, apparently Jonathan Gresham's uh, Ring of Honor and AEW time is done, and so it made more sense now to realize why they had this match first because they he probably wanted to leave as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, so the match was. The match was very good. It was good. And the, the thing that was, as you mentioned, the thing that was surprising before we even knew about this uh, backstage uh, stuff with Jonathan Gretchen was that it was kind of short. Um, looking at the, the match times, uh, it was it was only um, yeah, about 11, 11 and a half minutes. Yeah, so like yeah. barely 12 minutes, right? Yeah. And like I mentioned, all these little like like little things in before, like Dresham coming out very normal looking, like he doesn't get the full grand entrance, and then it's the first yeah, match. Uh, well, that was also like part of like the reports that I have heard that I had heard was that like, Gresham like knew that he was going to call it after this, and that he was going to take a break of take a break from wrestling. And apparently, he's just very frustrated with whatever the direction is of ROH as a whole because nobody really knows what that is uh we don't really know when or if roh is going to have its own tv deal or if that's even in the cards right now or if they're just going to continue to do pay-per-views every three or four months for now um and i think jonathan gresham was expecting something else from this uh changing of the guard and um Jonathan Gresham is a very passionate person when it comes to the wrestling side of everything. Like the wrestling is first for him and the story, the storyline obviously needs to matter. And I, maybe he wasn't on board with the, the change of the embassy. Maybe he was never on board with really joining Tully Blanchard Enterprises. And he I, yeah. Didn't like I that thought either. that was kind of odd that like he went through this, he, he like I will respect him for because he carried literally carried Ring of Honor for the like six month period. Like he just yeah. took that title all over the place while the company yep. was on a hiatus. And I can get that do after doing all of that, he probably expected a little more um, from the company that now is in the hands of Tony Khan. But you know, I yeah. guess we have to understand that sometimes creative differences have uh, have will, will clash, and there's. Yeah, someone that has a business plan going one way, and then another person with ideas of how that business should go going the other way. Then sometimes it doesn't work out, and this happens in not just wrestling, but in all types of business or or, or organizations. Um, but yeah, like I'm just like it seems that I don't think yeah, obviously Jonathan Gresham is not going to be uh, keeping quiet for long. I mean, I think uh, if anything, like if I just guess what he would do, like he's got his own sort of like show going on terminus that uh, turns mm-hmm. out regular shows um his wife jordan grace is the impact uh, uh women's knockouts champion so i wouldn't be surprised if i see jonathan gresham pop up in impact for a couple of stints here and there and who knows like what'll happen i guess yeah, yeah. um 
just to add, like the reports did uh, confirm that I believe he was granted his release. Okay. So I, I but we don't really know if if AEW has. I don't think they have a no compete clause. So uh, I think um, he could, if he wanted to, just pop up at the next Impact taping, and and it would be it would be fine. But um, yeah, the the thing that is not. I wasn't really surprised that Claudia won. I I was kind of expecting him to win because it seems like they're they're yeah. building up to something I, with the I Blackpool also, yeah, Combat I, Club mm-hmm. of having all the belts. And uh, obviously, um, I think also I don't think Claudia was originally supposed to face Jonathan Gresham. I think this was supposed to be Brian Danielson mm. because. There was reports, and and Tony Khan did confirm this, I think, in the media scrum after the show, that Claudio was supposed to debut on this show. Ah, oh. and they made they they did a obviously once Brian Danielson needed to take some time away after the uh, Anarchy match, um, they decided to pull the trigger early put him in the bcc which i think he was perfect for anyway and probably would have ended up in anyway and then they put him in this match so i i don't know if gresham would have lost the title the title to danielson if that was in the cards but it's very possible that he would have um but also the the big story out of this match is that claudio was never ROH champion before mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And, and um, imagine that. Imagine that. Like he like he said 20 year he's pretty much had a 20 year career. He's been in Ring of Honor, but he never won yep. the ROH world title. And first he spent, ever world title he's ever won, by the way. He spent so much time in ROH and Chikara and never really reached the top of the mountain in any of the in any of the federations that he's been in. And it's it's just surprising because he had so many great matches that I haven't seen. I mean, I haven't seen all of them because I don't have enough time to go back. But he had so many great matches with Nigel McGuinness, with Brian Danielson when they were younger, with Brody Lee when they were younger, that he he's finally getting to where he should have been. It, it might have taken him longer to get to this point in his career but he's finally at a point where I think people are taking him seriously and seeing that he is one of the best. And I hope that he holds this belt for a little while. And I hope that um, he just continues to do great things because he's amazing. It is. Um, it is actually quite amazing. Cause if you look at the space of one month, he debuts as a mystery opponent at forbidden door to Zack Sabre jr. Yep. Three couple of days after he is in blood and guts, he gets the win for his team. He goes in a fighter fest and takes out his old uh, partner Jake Hager, and then in goes into Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor and wins the world title. He was booked way better in the space of about a month than he ever was at the other place <laughs> for the for how Ten long? Years. Was there? Ten years. Ten years was there. Eleven years. <laughs> 11 years. I'm just trying to remember. He had like a relationship with Oksana. And I mean, he won the U.S. title for a bit. 
he was a multi-time tag champion, which was probably the best he ever looked there alongside Sheamus. He won the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal that literally resulted in nothing. (laughs) I was thinking you were going to use the N-word, nothing. Because the next night, they put him with Paul Heyman, and that also resulted in nothing. Which is surprising because people associated with Paul Heyman usually do better things. Yes. And so, yeah. so happy for him. So happy for where he's going next. Yeah. I, I, I know. I, I, Tony Khan is. I mean, everybody would agree with this. Like, even if there was, even if Jonathan, if even aggression didn't have all these uh, um, creative differences and all this stuff, and he was staying with the company, he would have thought like Claudio would have been one of the top guys he would drop the belt to. Like, no question. Yes. I would think. So, I, have a feeling and i think pretty much everybody has this feeling if you are a fan of indie wrestling and you have gone back eddie kingston and cesaro claudio castagnoli have this long-standing feud that never got concluded mm-hmm. because claudio chose to go to wwe and this is the reason why eddie kingston doesn't like claudio because claudio was one of the worst people he knew and when they were in Shikara together and this never got concluded and Eddie Kingston may have been uh on he was not on board with Claudio being on their team at blood and guts and then he steals the victory from him and then you also also have to think about how Brian Danielson hates Eddie Kingston and probably added Claudio to this team knowing <laughs> that Eddie Kingston hates Claudio. Yeah. So the 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 blows are going to come between Eddie Kingston and the other members yeah. of the Blackpool yeah. Combat Club yeah. down the line, and I can't wait for that to happen. Okay. Yeah, we'll see a lot of good things. I mean, hey, Eddie Kingston wants a world title. He why not the ROH world title? So he can go after that. Okay. Let's uh, go on to the next match. It is uh, on my list here. It is for the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Championship, otherwise what we would call the trios titles. Uh, it is the Righteous, um, Vincent, Bateman, and Dutch, the champions. Uh, they're accompanied by a woman named Vita Von Starr. They, were, they are facing Dalton Castle and The Boys. Not the Amazon Prime hit series, just <laughs> these two dudes named The Boys, who are the Tate brothers, Brandon and Brent. Uh, I didn't know they had names. I just thought they were the boys. I just thought this was all about the uh, castle. But well, uh, yeah. For the longest time in ROH, if you watched ROH from like, I would say 2015 to 2018-ish, um, the boys would, just these two, yeah, would, okay. accompany, would, would accompany him to the ring and they did not have names. They were just boy one and boy two. Yeah, I, mean, I think I and, saw that bit of that. <laughs> and um, it got... Uh, then uh, Dalton Castle uh, became the world champion, lost the belt, turned heel, turned on them, and then uh, they disappeared for a while. And I guess Tony Khan just really liked that act. So he just brought them back and didn't even acknowledge their history of hating each other now, um, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, um, hey, hey, it's a new ROH. Uh, everything's forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, and the righteous, I so this was during a period of ROH where I kind of fell off. 
Um, after after the elite left, and there really was no big names to draw you in to watch ROH. Vincent was kind of one of those guys that they were building around because they did the whole breakup of the kingdom, and yeah, I love Matt Taven. Matt Taven and Vincent had a year long feud that nobody acknowledged when they showed up in Impact. <laughs> yeah, it's just... funny they talk about all this cooperation, Forbidden Door. Everybody can go anywhere. It's just like, oh, but storylines, like, oh, you guys hate each other in the other place? The, oh, no, now the, you're in teaming together now. <laughs> the day that Honor No More showed up in Impact, I said on Twitter, I said, so. So Vincent and Matt Taven just like each other again. Yeah, but you're like the Uber fan. <laughs> like you're the like hardcore guy actually watched Ring of Honor for that stint and remembers that. Like they were yeah. expecting all these other f- impact fans. Oh, so this was the team that he had put together after he had yeah. left the kingdom to right. the point where they were they were building around him being like this new cult, like cult leader, mm-hmm. like yeah. Charles Manson-esque character. I mean, he looks the part, definitely. I think uh, I don't think that these guys are going to be sticking around, which is why they lost. Which is why your Um, prediction that Dalton and the boys were going to win was pretty reasonable. Because Vincent's on impact. Um, I don't know where Bateman and Dutch has been for the last six months. The the commentators made some offhanded remark about how Dutch was living in several caves during all this time, and whatever. (laughs) I think Bateman was in New Japan. I might have seen, but yeah, I don't think these three are sticking around. These three, I look at their. Their, their image and their and their and their uh, um, presentation, they look, they could be an impact. Like I would stick them in Impact Wrestling. Like Impact has the production to make them look like a bunch of mm-hmm. weird cult guys. And like AEW has and, enough... and it would fi- and it would fit. Yeah, it would fit would, because would. Vincent's already there. Yeah, and you can and then you can acknowledge that history of like, why am I teaming with you anyway? Like, you're the guy that you're teaming with, uh, uh, Mike Bennett. Yeah, is is the guy who you chose me to replace, right? Like, and now he's back. So why why you don't need me? Okay, but obviously Matt Taven's not at the top of the card in Impact, which is fine because he shouldn't yeah. be. Okay, but <laughs> we can discuss about this Impact yeah. thing on another show. Obviously, yes. this match uh pretty good, you know, with for a six man tag. I mean, the, the, um, the best sequence I liked was when Dalton started throwing. The yes, boys that... at the other guys, it, it, and it, and they just made it look like as though it was a never-ending stream of boys just showing up again and again. He's just using them as weapons. <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to mention. That was my favorite part because, uh, also commentary did a great job of selling this because um they were like what are they just multiplying exactly. they just keep coming back in the ring it's like, just, it's like that it's like that x-man from that uh from from the x-men a multiple man that has that mutant power that uh, yeah. where he just uh, duplicates himself over and over so that's that was that was funny but uh yeah anyway this match ended um you know i guess Dalton getting the pin um the boys Dalton winning the six-man tag team titles no yeah. surprise there uh obviously and- I mean, yeah, as yeah, uh, yeah. as mentioned earlier, yeah. mm-hmm. I think it is fully expected yeah. that if they do another ROH show or maybe do another Battle of the Belts where they defend this these titles, that Gates of Agni and Brian Cage are winning these belts. Here's an uh, interest, yeah, but here's an interesting question: like everybody's been talking that AEW needs like trios titles. They need yes. trios titles. Why would you need another set of trio titles when you have an existing set of trio titles that you can use on your show? Because at I this point, agree. because at this point, 
it doesn't it AEW and ROH, they seem to be like, I mean, they're supposed to be separate companies, but they're owned by the same man. So I mean, there's all the all the crossover is obviously there. So why would you need to introduce another set of trios titles when you have existing trios titles that you can just use? I'm I like, fully, I'm a, yeah, like I I'm a guy who's agree. like, why do you need to make new stuff when you can just y- utilize the old stuff, the existing stuff better, you know? Yes, I mean, I fully agree, but I, I think that comes down to whether or not ROH is going to be a separate brand that actually yeah, has and, a TV and, deal. Yeah, exactly. And so, because if they get a TV deal, then I don't think you're going to be seeing as much of the ROH championships on it on AEW hmm. or vice versa. Um, will there be crossover over time? Of course there will. I mean, Cesaro, uh, I keep calling him Cesaro. Claudio is the ROH champion. Willie Yuta is the pure champion. All of these guys are on a group in a group that's on AEW. Right. So... Um, uh, yeah, this crossover stuff will, I think, will continue to happen until, I guess, Tony figures out how he wants to present this product going yes. forward. And I hope that they start to like, I mean, because again, if ROH gets TV deal, they, they that they go to present like people that are on the AW roster that they're not using as much. Oh yeah, like exactly. Like put Sunny Kiss on the show. Put you know anybody who's not being used to their Fuego del Sol or yes fucking I mean, Lee Moriarty even though he had a match on Rampage yes Fuego like del that. Sol just Fuego del Sol just did this amazing promo where he's going to go through this change in his character ROH would be perf- would be the perfect brand to put him on to do that but again we don't know what the future holds as far as TV and everything and that's gonna gonna be a topic of discussion throughout this. Um, but yes, the Gates of Agony and Brian Cage, better known as uh, collectively as the Embassy, I think are going to take these titles from Dalton and the boys down the line. I don't know the status of the, of Dalton or the boys if they work here or not. Hmm. Uh, maybe it could be a pay per appearance. Yeah, uh, it's deal. interesting because uh, I mean the way this match kind of happened, it just happened. Like they just said, "Oh, yeah. the uh, Dalton and the boys are gonna get a title shot." Well, yeah. Last I time mean, we Mo- saw Dalton Castle was he had a match on Battle with Battle the, of the Battle of the Belts, right? Yes. So, so nobody really, kn- yeah. And they they kind of just filled out this card with matches that they just announced like on Wednesday, mm. as as opposed to or on Friday, as opposed to like building to these matches because. Half of these people were not used on AEW. So we didn't know why. I mean, like, Allison Kay has been on NWA. Um, like like we said, Vincent's been on Impact. Dalton, yeah. I don't know where Dalton Castle's been. I guess he's just been working indies. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I wonder if there's anybody as far as, like, I mean, we, we saw Silas Young in AEW recently are, are we gonna see more of him in roh because he was such a big roh name uh the people we mentioned earlier like cheeseburger and eli isom who were big big imp- uh, impact roh people as well so i i wonder if any of these people are going to get signed to exclusive roh deals yeah um we'll have to see how this unfolds going forward 
So the next match is for the pure rules. Uh, sorry, pure title with pure wrestling rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wheeler Yuta from Blackpool Combat Club will be uh, defending against Daniel Garcia. Um, this match was a little bit personal. They brought up that fact that uh, Wheeler was one of the first people to uh, like see how Daniel Garcia was doing when he got into that terrible car crash that basically mm-hmm. broke both his legs and left him with like six months to recovery. Um, as you, as people may not know, American uh, medical bills are ridiculous. So, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> they, I love how they tied in the fact that Chris Jericho basically gave paid all of uh, Daniel Garcia's medical bills five years, five to seven years ago, and now they're both <laughs> in the same. Uh, so, long term storytelling to- totally works out here. Yeah, um, Daniel Garcia and the um, see at he, first I thought Daniel might he owes win. his life to Chris Jericho. Exactly, that's why he appreciates him. Uh, yeah, and he loves the wizardry, and he's a sports entertainer and all that bullshit. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, at first, I actually thought Daniel Garcia had a decent shot at winning this title, because I was thinking, if they're going to put the strap on Claudio, they might want to do some sort of kind of balance. I guess not, but I'm an idiot. But then when when, uh, Daniel was interviewed backstage by Lexi Nair and says, oh, I don't really care about the pure title. I just want to take it from Wheeler and then bring it back to AEW, the A show, AEW Dynamite, and then me and the JAS, we're going to smash it into a million pieces. I'm like, okay, no, uh, I don't think he's pro- he's probably not winning. Well, yeah, as soon as he said that, I, <laughs> I didn't like, think he was winning. Man, I just but, hate it when they break up, break, when they uh, give away the ending like that. <laughs> yeah, as soon as he said that, I didn't think he was winning. And, it, and adding Claudio winning the ROH title, it just seems like they've been – they're building to something because they want people to get behind the Blackpool Combat Club that aren't already. I mean, most most pure wrestling fans already are, like myself, who absolutely loves this group and is fully behind it. Um, but uh, yeah, so now every person in the group except Brian Danielson, who's been out, has a belt. And I think that that is going to... Um, lead to something story related but as far as this match goes i absolutely loved it these two were great yeah. together they they had a great sequence of chain wrestling and a great sequence of just uh yeah trading, have, trading yeah, moves it's inter- yeah it's interesting that we fed it you, we put in all this animosity and they have to like abide by certain rules um yeah just a quick primer on uh, what a pure rules match is um you're not allowed to punch close fist to the face um, but you can use one punch. If you do it second time, you're disqualified. I think mm-hmm. even as the champion, you're disqualified. You lose the belt. Um, mm-hmm. You get three rope breaks. If you use all up all of your rope breaks, the next rope breaks you use, you, they basically mean don't, nothing. Don't count. Submissions, submissions, and stuff will count if they are if you use the ropes. Um, mm-hmm. And what else? Uh, what are the other rules? I'm trying to remember. Open hand slaps are allowed. Actually, punching is allowed, just not to the face. You're you're allowed to punch to the body, and but still not low blows. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they um, what I, what I was like was that um, Wheeler didn't use any rope breaks, and yep. yeah, Garcia actually only used one, but they kept the rope breaks to a very low minimum. And I love yeah. how I love how William Regal said on commentary, if Wheeler loses this on. Um, on the judge's call, he's going to be very disappointed. But he also added, if Wheeler uses any rope breaks, I'll still be disappointed, even if he wins, well, <laughs> keeps the title. Because we are yeah. training this young man to yes. you know, wrestle and figure stuff out on his own. Me, uh, Claudio, uh, Moxley, and Daniel, we're all like 
like in like pounding into this kid. You gotta figure out stuff without like going and through tactics. You know that was the story of this match. Yeah, is that um, I didn't realize the, that until the, the, until Rigo said it. You know, it's, their it's their in ring IQ of Wheeler Yuta to get out of certain things and and have an answer for things that Daniel Garcia had and, and that he threw at him. And um, I love this match. It was one of my favorite matches. Um, I love that he got the win with that, uh, with that wheelbarrow pin that he's been using a lot. Um, he kind of surprised Daniel Garcia and he couldn't believe that he lost. I love that he's been winning with that. Kind of like how uh, Darby uses the mousetrap once in a while. And uh, Colt Cabana uses the Superman. <laughs> to surprise people i i love uh i love when a, when a pin looks like it it does its job not like a schoolboy, which is usually very easy to kick out of but people <laughs> don't because you know uh but when a pin looks like it's really hard to get out of and it actually does the job i love that yeah i mean um this match like i guess ended with wheeler using this very unique pinning combination i i mean it was great like for those of us who like want to see some technical wrestling this was very good yeah. um obviously after the match uh they tried to um abide by the code of honor handshake uh yeah garcia wasn't having any part of it he flipped off the ring of honor logo upon leaving the ring so yeah. um <laughs> and then later he tweeted i prefer pwg which is true, PWG can do more shit, right? <laughs> well, and he's the champion over there. Oh, okay. There's another incentive. Okay. So that's but, um, also, it was announced, I think, like right after this match, or maybe like a few minutes after, that Brian Danielson has been cleared to return. Yes. And his, at, for his comeback again, match will be against Daniel Garcia. Time of recording. This will probably be out after this, but Dan, so just fully aware. Uh, the match will have happened by the time this is out, mm-hmm. but Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson on Fight for the Fallen. One of uh, the matches that we, uh, I think we've already seen it once before, but I'm I'm happy to see it again. <laughs> Very yeah, happy to see now, it. because now there's a bit of storyline behind it because they're saying yes. that it was Garcia who led to some of Danielson's injuries. Yes. Even though that's not exactly how I remember it ending, but I think you know it may have contributed to that. So yeah, yeah we're gonna see a yeah a very another great match between um, a young up and coming uh, star sports entertainer versus like <laughs> one of the probably the best wrestlers in the world. The Red Death versus the Red Yeah, uh, the I, I'm, American I'm looking Dragon. forward. I'm looking forward to them doing a uh, pairing of the Paymaker and Red Death. How's how they're gonna pull that off? I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah, they'll figure something out. Okay, so oh, Wheeler, yeah. yeah, so Wheeler keeps the pure title, and uh, we'll get to this at the end of the show. But it looks like he may have eyes on some other titles. But anyway, um, the next match I have on this list is, well, I didn't know they were brothers in the first place, but they, this was pretty good. I don't know less. They flew together. This match, uh, they, they build it as basically battle of the brothers, former Ring of Honor World Champion Roosh, accompanied by Jose the assistant. He mm-hmm. defeated his, he beat his brother Dragon Lee. Um, in this match, a dragon Lee apparently is the brother of Roosh, and then they sh- I like how they show in the beginning they shake hands and then they give this really hard emotional man hug. They're like, 
you're my bro, you're my familia, familia, but I need to kick your ass. <laughs> uh, just... Yes. So they also have a third brother who is right. the original Sinkara. Ah, yes, yes. I think I not, that up. not Hunico. Ah, the, right. o- the other Sinkara. Okay, I don't think we want to get into the Sinkara's mess because I'm so... But that is... That. He is also their brother. So there's three of them. Um, and yes, uh, this match was... Oh, yeah. So good. Like, oh so good. Some of the spots were like, <laughs> this Roosh guy, like, he is ridiculously huge and he should not be flying around like that, but yet he is. One spot that really got me like, oh my god, they died. They died because I thought yeah. Roosh, he was on the table and then Dragon Lee, I guess, was doing like some suicide dive. He did the dive and it looked like he hit the table instead of his brother like head first and then the table broke. They, they <laughs> broke a table with a tope. <laughs> I, thought, I think I heard the announcer say, oh God, we did, that table was like, they, they were already uh, standing on it. Don't, don't break it again or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, this is insane. But I was like, oh wow, okay. Um, and then I was like, I love how uh, Rush's finisher is like saying that they're, it's like they say it's like an analogy of uh, being gored by the bull and the horns are his legs. Because it almost yeah. reminds me of the way Drew McIntyre does the Claymore, where he, his mm-hmm. leg is basically like the sword. Yeah, it's but, it's because uh, yeah. his uh, his nickname is like yeah uh, El Toro Blanco, the White Bull or something. I think believe it's yeah something yeah. Like so he he does like the whole bull yeah. thing, and he does the seated uh, opponent in the corner, right. and he does the running drop kick instead okay. of doing a running. Um, uh, okay, yeah. So anyway, uh, result was that Roos defeated his brother. Uh, it was um, pretty foregone conclusion because they were billing that this is Roos's. He's going into this nine and O or something, nine straight wins or something. And yes. then, um, yeah, he defeated his brother. I love how Jose actually helped up Dragon Lee after the match because mm-hmm. now it's back to being, it's family now. And yeah. it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if I see Dragon Lee join up with his brother and Andrade at some point in the uh, uh, Faxion and Governables. But um, that's another point. But the big story is that like we brought up how Danielson and Garcia are going to happen at Fight for the Fallen. At this time of recording, this match would have already happened. Roosh, with 10 wins under his belt, is going into a title match against John Moxley for the interim AEW world title at Fight mm-hmm. for the Fallen. So yes, that's going to be a, another crazy That should be a hell of a match. Um, I'm sure Andrade will have something to do with that one. Um, but of course, the Blackpool Combat Club will not be far behind. So, yeah, um, that should be a hell of a match. Uh, this match, again, I can't say enough how great it was. There, there was just too much to even go through to, to even like give a play by play even to it. But yeah, these guys. I mean, we talk about all the time about how people who are like who are like really good friends always have the best matches. Brothers always have great matches. Right. Owen, they, Hart, how, Owen Hart yeah. and Brett, you know, uh, even FTR, who are not, they're figurative brothers, but they when they had their singles match, that was a hell of a match, too. So everybody who, like, family, best friends, they always seem to have the best tag, matches. Tag team this. partners have the best matches against each other. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, yes. yeah. Okay. So uh, we're coming down to uh, the last few matches, uh, all title matches, the last three. 
So the next one is um, the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship match between Mercedes Martinez uh, facing Serena Deeb. Um, so this was an interesting build. Uh, at first, they were teaming together. But then the story mm. is that Serena was just observing Mercedes and trying to pick her spots and then just turns on her at the last possible second or afterwards. Um, and then yeah. now she wants the title. And I was surprised at the result here because I was like, they've built up Serena all this last several months as this very dangerous woman that is the professor of pro wrestling. If, she, if there's anybody that can do a submission or get out of a submission or counter a move, it's like Serena. Um, you know, she was obviously a trainer before. So she, if anybody can teach you things, it's her. Uh, very, like Mercedes, I, I always thought as a longtime veteran of the sport, I, I thought she was a more of a brawler than anything else, but I, they did a lot of submissions on each other back and forth. So it was a very uh, yeah. nasty looking affair. It's, um, yeah, I saw Serena do her detox submission. I was mm-hmm. like, I thought it was over by then. And then, yeah, yeah, this was just, yeah. Then, so, you know, so yeah. these two have been uh, kind of, uh, they've been friends for a long time. They, they were coming up in the early years of ROH uh-huh. when, when ROH had women's matches, but didn't have a belt. Right. Um, it was just showcase talent. And um, Serena Deeb and Mercedes Martinez are two of the biggest names as far as like indie wrestling in the back in the day when it comes to like women's wrestling being in, uh, you know, being in shine and being in uh, 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 stardom and, uh, you know they are wrestlers they they're and i i've said this before and i will say it again uh serena deeb needs to be in the blackpool combat club <laughs> um she's that good and uh i was also kind of surprised by the results um I guess they are going to build this uh, division around Mercedes Martinez, which which is fine because she does deserve that. I mean, she she was a twenty plus year veteran working in the Indies for so long, and before she finally got her shot to be at the other place, and that didn't work out. And now she's here, and she beat Diana to win this belt because Diana won the belt before. Tony yeah. bought ROH. Right. So uh that was a hell of a match as well. This match absolutely ruled. Uh the, the back and forth submissions, the detox, like you said, which is like a she's riding the back of her opponent and then stretching the arms backwards. And then she's locking her hands. So it's like, yeah. You know... Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a brutal looking submission. Yeah, it, you, lo- it you... looks like your arms would break off if you last if you stayed. And like that two. that just feels like something that Brian Danielson would do. That's why she's like perfect for the Blackpool Combat Club. Like, mm. um, and the Serenity Lock when she when she locked in the Serenity Lock, I thought it was over. Yeah, because she she had that in deep. And she had been working on the leg and working on the arm for most of the match. So I was very surprised by the, the result, but not didn't even bother me because of how great the match was. 
Yeah, I loved how afterwards uh, they they honored the code of honor and they actually hugged it out in the ring. So I'm thinking that was that was respect from being yeah, lifelong. I mean, yeah, friends. I, and... I wouldn't put it past them to team up again. I mean, yeah. on AEW, they're doing this sort of experiment where they're trying to pair other female wrestlers up because they so, well, they need to build the division and they're realizing oh, the single I'm not stars. Get are not. It. Okay, I'm not going to get into that now. <laughs> Anyway, that was yeah, that was a good match. Two uh, <laughs> veterans of uh, ROH putting it out there. Um, so next, we move on to the uh, match for the uh, ROH uh, World Television Championship. Uh, Samoa Joe appearing on ROH on whatever AEW platform uh, months after he was just sort of sidelined after um, probably an injury. Who knows what I he was? He was filming something. Okay, he was he was, he was filming something. Oh, he's filming something. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for clearing that up. Uh, so Samojo was away for a while. Uh, props to Jay Lethal for basically carrying this feud. Obviously not by himself, but just we needed yeah. somebody to just pour out the absolute emotional hatred that this man had for his old teacher. And it, it, it helped with uh, guys like Sanjay Dutt with breaking his pencils and the this <laughs> looming giant in the back. I'm just uh-huh. like, well, you got this giant and just this, you know, veteran of the business and they're just this little midget guy that's just walking around in a suit and just like i thought this was like the best combination of a heel group here. sanjay is gr- sanjay dud is great isn't he he's just great at like i just saw being, i just saw i always thought he was a i was i always saw him as like that backstage producer until he started like getting involved and he started talking i was like whoa this guy can talk like why is he not managing more people <laughs> yeah well i mean and him and jay lethal have that long history of being oh, together okay. in impact yeah there's a and, ew did a uh, podcast with uh, sanjay dot recently i should get into listening to that because i might want to learn a bit about him but uh yeah this yeah. was the one match where i believe uh the challenger chose dishonor rather than death because uh he used <laughs> some tactics uh first of all he came out by himself and then that's, I guess that before the match started, uh, Satnam Singh came down and, and so they started beating on Joe and then they wrapped Joe's arm, the one that was taped in a chair and ran it into the steel ring post again to, yeah. I guess, sell another injury, injury to his arm. To sell the previously sell the previous injury. injury. And then yeah. at that point, Jay throws uh, Joe back in the ring and says, okay, my rough start the match. And then they so had, they, so they had the match back and forth for a while. Uh, Joe did pretty well um, with just one arm and then yeah, there was a lot of uh, moves back and forth. And then I think, I think, okay, Satnam got thrown out by the ref at one point. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what else happened because there was a lot of stuff that happened. There, there was at one point they were fighting in the corner and. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jay, and then Jay Joe ran was his think- foot into yeah. uh, Joe ran yeah. his foot into uh, Jay's uh, face in the corner. So, so Jay was like teasing doing the muscle buster. Oh yes. Like Joe yes. like fought it off and like was fighting him on the top rope and it looked like he was going to attempt a muscle buster off the middle rope. But okay. uh but Jay like fought it off. Right. Um there was a there was a lot of near falls in this match which I really liked um because I mean people complain all the time about like near falls uh you know false finishes being overdone sometimes but I feel like the ones that they did in this one really really drove home the emotion of the match i mean like as you said jay lethal was selling this match by himself wondering when samoa joe would be back and they they sold on commentary and they sold on you know in the video packages like samoa joe doesn't need to show up every week because all he has to do is show up and beat you 
Yeah, so I thought the inclusion of Christopher Daniels speaking on behalf of Samoa Joe was somewhat odd. Um, like, I didn't mind seeing Christopher Daniels facing Jay Lethal. It's just, I thought yeah. it was kind of interesting that you have like this surrogate for Joe at this point. Because I think at well, that point, I, mean, that's also, that's a I think at that thing. point, they realized, okay, Jay has carried on this far. They need someone to respond. And yeah. they, let's just pick one of Joe's closest friends or something. Like that. And that's, that. a, yeah, that's a, it's a respect thing. I mean, yeah. it, they go back to even before that, that unbreakable triple threat match with AJ, mm-hmm. like um, the match that pretty much put all three of those guys on the map. So, um, yeah, I, I love this match. I thought it was very good. Uh, I am not surprised by the finish at all. I fully expected Joe to retain. Um, I don't know. I, where I, I had like a 10%, probably 20% outlier chance that Jay would get this, but I don't know. I, I guess I saw some, some more of the interference stuff, and I was like, um, no, I think at some point, they're gonna end yeah, this. I, I don't know if they're like building Joe up for something, yeah, like because I'm like, who's gonna challenge he, him next, right? Because he hasn't really interacted with anybody else, yeah, like to the point where like they were setting something up, yeah, we but haven't heard just, the. We I just didn't the... expect Jay to win. Okay. I just didn't expect oh. Jay to win because he was saying all this like, "Oh, I'm going to be the first three-time TV mm, champ," and mm, was... uh, like I just didn't expect him to win. And I, I, I mean, I've been saying this for a while. I don't buy the lethal injection as a. Finisher. It's such a hard finisher to set up because you got to wait till your opponent stands up, then you have to run towards the ropes, flip up backwards. Use yeah. the ropes to swing yourself back onto your opponent and it do and a cutter. <laughs> the handspring brings nothing to the momentum of the move. It's literally just for flash. It's literally a Randy Horton RKO with a little flash. You're right. It brings nothing to the momentum of the move. It's just like, oh, see, I could do a backflip. Like, and then do it doesn't make the move more impactful. It doesn't make the move more devastating. It does nothing. So I I just hate him beating people with that move, but he's been beating people with that move for over a decade now. Mm. Um, but I'm glad that it didn't work on Joe because ah. the, the teacher always gets one up on the student. I need Joe to do the one killer promo that'll set the tone because like Joe, his promos and when he starts spewing venom, whether it was at Brock Lesnar or his the program he did, with AJ Styles, like, I mean, that was like some deep cuts at that time. So we haven't, he hasn't found anybody like that yet, I think, on the roster to direct that to. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm wondering who would be like a, a, the next opponent for him because he's still the champion. So there has to be a challenge. Yeah, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm looking, like, I'm trying to think of like who that would be. And I just can't, I can't even... I mean, the, the one name that I can think of right now is Danielson because I'm not sure. I don't remember. I don't know if Brian Danielson has been a TV champion before. He might have, but uh, uh, probably not. Yeah, I don't recall. I know he was like the guy who created the Pure Championship, yeah. and I and he was the world champ a bunch of times. But uh, and him and Joe have a history, a very violent history. Mm. But um, so that yeah. is that could that could be. That could be it. That could be Brian getting his belt. So everybody in BCC has a belt. And like, and as we said, the history is there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. I, I mean, we'll see what happens uh, again. 
this all comes down to the future of what the, the future of this brand is. Right. Okay. So we are coming to the final match of this evening, uh, the main event uh, for the, uh, the two out of three falls match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. Uh, FTR, uh, seven star FTR, because they're draped in gold right now, facing the recently signed to ROH, Briscoe Brothers, Jay and Mark Briscoe. Um, okay, I thought Supercard of Honor was probably the last, the last match they would have for a while. They pretty much mm-hmm. topped that one as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. It was like, I mean, the build was very good. Um, these are two teams that are very similar, you know, very mm-hmm. similar styles, both family men. Uh, Dax Harwood's promos on why he's doing this is just probably some of the best um, ways to set your tone as to why he's a wrestler. You know, it's for the family. It's, it's for family. It's impossible for FTR to be heels. Yeah, I saw forward. your tweet about that. After Dax it, talked about his daughter's medical issues and like he says he's gonna is, fight like an eight-year-old girl, and like everybody understood it. <laughs> exactly. It is it is impossible for FTR to be heels going forward. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Like if they ever try to flip them, it's just it's just gonna be weird. It's like Austin turning heel. Who the hell wants to boo Steve Austin, right? Yeah, everybody is fully behind FTR now, not only because they are the best tag team in the world and have the best matches literally with everybody including each other they are the best tag team in the world of wrestling today and it's not even close and they fully cemented their spot as the babyface team in all of wrestling with that promo mm-hmm. with um, that promo yeah. about fight like an eight-year-old girl yeah, and, and and the and the previous poem, um, I guess sit down they had, where they tried to share a drink, uh, that didn't go yes. over well. well um, when they announced, yeah, they announced the stipulation because they said like, oh, FTR versus the Briscoes was easily the best match of the year so far, and we want to top that, and we we think the only way to do that is to have a two out of three falls match, and yeah. it was sold on commentary that the Briscoes have a history in two out of three falls matches where they do not lose. Mm. So FTR suggesting this match type literally put them at a disadvantage because the Briscoes have such a rich history in this type of match. Yeah. They told them, okay, we want to beat you at the match what you excel at in order to definitively know who's a better tag team, right? So it's like, Wow. Okay. Um, so I don't know how much time uh, was in between them doing the first two falls. I just know the first one, the Briscoes picked up the pin. They always do the classic thing where they hold down the other tag partners so they cannot mm-hmm. like break up the pin. Um, yeah. Second fall, uh, FTR hit the big rig and they managed to pick up the second. So obviously we're going to go down the third fall. I love the part where Mark and Jay locked in this sort of like camel, half camel clutch thing. And then yeah. Dax and Cash held each other's hands. You know, well, that, like, was a, that was a callback. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that, that was, was that was back to NXT TakeOver Toronto when uh, yep. I think uh, DIY did the same thing. I remember that. Yes. And um, now, that, now that you mentioned it, I just remembered that. But um, yeah, yes. this is a lot of craziness. I'm trying to remember. I believe I knew the match was coming to an end when I think it was Cash and Mark 
crashing through a table. Someone pulled a back, a, a back superplex, back superplex off and onto a fucking table. And then I was like, "This is poetic," because this is a tag match. It ended with two guys that are probably the best. If they ever pushed the singles run for one half of this either tag team, it was Jay Briscoe, who's a former two, uh, I guess, Ring of Honor World Champion, and Dak yep. and Dash Dax, who's been doing great singles work. Probably yep. in one of the moves that probably would have been the most riskiest, a top rope pile driver on Jay. And Dax, he didn't even, I don't think he realized where he was. He just kind of flipped over and he's like, I'm, done, were, for the, I'm done for tonight, guys. He just flips over one, two, three. <laughs> they were so <laughs> spent. They were so spent <laughs> that Dax only got a leg over. Exactly. The, Jay. It was like, like just his legs his, were over. His body was all the way over here. Right. And and Jay's head was literally in between Dax's legs. And Dax just got a leg over him for the pin. <laughs> uh, they were it was like, such yeah. a great match. It was 43 minutes long. Yeah, and, and let's put that in perspective. Like 43 minutes, like you know, we were getting close to an hour. Like who wrestles for close to an hour? Like, and they didn't even because you know that there's a there's been like this whole like thing about two out of three falls match that that people like think that like in between falls like the momentum just is gone, and that didn't happen in this match. The emotion level stayed where it was because everybody everybody in that arena was behind FTR, even though this was this was an ROH show. And the, the Briscoe brothers are the definition of ROH. They were there from day one. Jay started in ROH when Mark wasn't even old enough to wrestle. Oh. So yeah, like it, it it's crazy to think that like, yes, the Briscoes are ROH, but FTR is tag team wrestling. Like both of these teams are tag team wrestling, but FTR is fully the definition of what tag team wrestling is supposed to be. And both all three falls had the emotion level just staying where, where it needed to be. Jay Briscoe getting the uh, the first fall with the... Did, he, did they get it with the J-Driller or did they get it with the Doomsday? I don't remember. I think it was a Doomsday because I don't remember the J-Driller. Okay. Because they, they went to the well a lot and they tried to do that numerous times. Yeah. And and Cash was there every time they tried to do it again. I think actually they kicked, and, I think I think it was either Dax or Cash that kicked out of the J driller, which they mentioned yeah. that never happened for, I think. But they also hit they actually did hit the doomsday again and mm-hmm. cash uh no not cash Dax, I think it was Dax. he kicked, kicked, out kicked out of it. So, <laughs> like like what is what is this gonna end? You just kicked out like, of a top finisher twice now. And it's like the the emotion level of that of that promo of that that promo about that eight year old girl fighting for her life was the thing that powered him to kick out of everything that was thrown at him after losing that first fall, and to get the that that big rig when they when they did it off the top rope like. I think it was uh, Jay like jumped off the top the middle rope and then they they caught him into a big rig. Oh. It looked it looked messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it still looked great because of how they were like spent throughout the match. Like it didn't even matter that it didn't look that great because 
of the emotion of the match throughout. The story was being told throughout the entire match that FTR wanted to beat the Briscoes at their game. And they did it. And oh, you know what I remember that this in this match, I think Dax accidentally punched out the referee. I think yes. it happened so fast, I didn't even notice it, and it was just happened. And the Dax was just like, "Oh crap!" But you know what? The I guess the only bad part of this match was why do these guys constantly go for a pin when they know the referee is not there to make the free count? <laughs> the fans I mean, counting ten does not count, guys. Like, I mean, that's just that's just like it oh, keeps I'm out happening. I'm, I'm just so out happening. of it. I keep forgetting that. It doesn't the matter which here, company. But... It's always happening. They always yeah. go for a pin when they know they just punched the ref's lights out three seconds ago. Come on, man. And you then... guys are tag team wrestlers. You guys Cash are wrestlers. Go... Cash goes outside and just grabs the ref by the belt and just yeah. throws him in the ring. Right. And... Because, yeah, yeah, at least he knew like to do something to get this. Try to uh, <laughs> make this make sense. But, but yeah, so this was uh, probably top the first one. And both of these matches between both of these teams are easily like uh, probably at the top of my matches uh, for this year so far. Um, yeah. Both of them. Um, we, we've talked about doing uh, like a, a list of our favorite matches of the first half of the year. And every single time I think about putting the list together, another match happens that just... I'm like, oh, oh my god! Like, how do we yeah. keep? How can we keep this list updated, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so match after in, the match, after the match, I think. Okay, after the match. Um. So I guess Dax picks up the microphone. Uh. You know, lets us all know with very colorful language how he feels about Ring of Honor. Gives the props mm-hmm. to uh, the Briscoes who are, you know, for the long term going to be part of this company. We'll see where Jay and Mark go from here. Now I didn't. I mean, this was also straight up wrestling throughout this entire show. I didn't see any surprises or run-ins. I'm glad they saved this for the last because uh, as the FDR celebrating the ring, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club, the newly crowned um, Claudio, uh, Ring of Honor champion, uh, Wheeler, the pure champion, and Mr. Regal come out. They, I know some of them are applauding, but they're like looking at each other like, "Hey, you guys got a lot of gold there. We got a lot of gold too. You know, we're gonna do this or what?" So, well, um, are we going to see, see Claudio I, and I Wheeler? Took it differently. <laughs> I took it differently. I took it differently. Hmm. I think they want FTR to join. Oh, interesting. Because you looked at William, like William Regal was looking at them and he's like, I see you guys. Like, you guys are really good. Hmm. Like, I think they want them to join and they're going to say no because they already have a history of like being in a group with, you know, that the pinnacle, guy the pinnacle yeah that guy that that guy that we're not talking about for now we're not talking about yeah yeah um <laughs> no i mean hey fdr i think when cm punk gets healthy they'll probably team with him or join up with him but that's an interesting point you brought up because at first my first thought was looks like Cesaro. i keep calling him Cesaro. looks like claudio i and did it wheeler. too don't worry <laughs> okay looks like claudio and wheeler like they want to add some more gold to their uh little collection there and then um i mean it's all is the obvious uh response but then when you think about it like oh yeah fdr would definitely fit into the blackpool combat club but they probably want to beat the shit out of them first and see if like, but I don't know if they want to because after seeing that with the Briscoes, like everybody uh, bleeding all over the place. I mean, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have Claudio and Wheeler face them. I would have Brian and John face them. 
See, I was thinking about that before we started recording. I was thinking, okay, Brian needs a title. At some point, he's going to need some gold on himself. I was thinking he and Mox might want to challenge for the AEW World t- Championship because they're going to bring everything together. Like, that would be my yeah. obvious answer. Uh, but it, yeah, it's really kind of to odd say. to like put Claudio and Wheeler in that position and then suddenly, oh no, it's Brian and Mox. W. I mean, I guess. I mean, considering they both already have ROH titles, I guess that would make sense. Yeah, like um, the, the beauty of the back of BCC right now is that you could put any combination of those four guys as a tag team and they would be instantly yeah. credible towards challenging any tag title that is yeah. currently floating so, around the AEW ROH uh, universe. I think we're going to see going forward in the next couple of weeks what the deal is there. Yeah. Um, because I think that the BCC is done with Jericho. I think that this is fully just an Eddie Kingston. Uh, I mean, I mean, we saw again time of recording on the most recent Dynamite. They did help during the barbed wire match. Yeah, but that was a very I, messy like, uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I I feel like this has gotten to a point where it's just Eddie and Jericho now. Like, cause that's the whole story. Now Eddie wants to make Jericho bleed and hurt him. And <sighs> I think well, he that... did all that. He just did all yeah. that. He threw him on a, at a barbed wire at the end of the match, even though he yeah, lost. But uh, the fact that all the interference happened and the take Conti, Anna J, Sammy Guevara stuff. I don't think it's over. Um, but I would like the BCC to be done with this. I would like them to move on to something else. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, well, I will definitely see, uh, how that unfolds, but overall, very solid, uh, show hell of a show, hell of a show for ring of honor under a new management. Uh, we are not sure what the future of ring of honor holds at this point. You know, they, well, I think we all agree they need some kind of television deal to be a credible product going forward. And as we mentioned off the top, like with, uh, you know, as I don't, I don't know how I can tie this in here, but with Vince McMahon's retirement, like the whole world of wrestling might change on a dime at this point. There's anything could happen. Yep. Those, like, you know, this whole idea of like just one company only just sticking with their own people that might have collapsed just now. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with this show. And uh, so with that, uh, we're going to sign off. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to our uh, review of uh, ROH's uh, Death Before Dishonor. Uh, please continue to listen to SLTD Roundtable for uh, the latest on um, wrestling or, or our reviews on past wrestling. Um, so, Mike, uh, where can people find you? And if you're working on anything right now, uh, you know, feel free to share it. Uh, yeah, so you can follow me at MikeJC821 on Twitter. And uh, right now, uh, kind of been a lull period for me as far as uh, writing stuff and working on anything wrestling related. Just been very busy with life stuff. Uh, but uh, look out for any other announcements that might come our way, you know, as far as SLTD stuff or any other projects that me and Alan might be working on in the future. Yep. And you can find me on Twitter uh, on any, I guess, whatever social media I'm on at the Cantastic. 
I'm also on a bit of a low in terms of writing wrestling. But now I'm mostly probably just doing podcasts like this. I've been involved with life also and other projects. But yeah, feel free to keep listening on this space for um, any of our wrestling uh, content. And once again, uh, please watch the wrestling you want to watch, not what people are telling you to watch. And for that, uh, from SLTD, we are signing off. Thank you for listening.